Welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler, the podcast where we interview some of America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We dive into their stories, their proven lessons in leadership, how they navigated challenges, and their journey to find mission and purpose. Today's guest is Carol Egert, Senior Vice President, Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast Universal. In this role, she works collaboratively across Comcast, uh, Comcast, NBC Universal, to provide strategic leadership to all aspects of programs and outreach engaging the military and veteran community, including recruiting, hiring, and building talent at all levels of the organization. Carol brings more than 30 years of military and civilian experience to Comcast. Ms. Eggert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I just, I honestly, and we talked a little bit about this prior to, to being on the show, um, about your background, and I, it's just impressive. I, I'm just going to say that anybody that is getting ready to transition or who has transitioned needs to listen to you. You're quite accomplished. You've, you've worked with members of all branches of the military. You've completed numerous overseas deployments. I was reading your bio, including like a 15-month combat tour in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, you served as the chief of the Women's Initiative Division and senior liaison to the U.S. Embassy in, in Baghdad. I mean, this it goes on. I could keep going. I mean, uh, contributions, uh, Legion of Merit. Bronze Star, Purple Heart, multiple awards of meritorious service battle, graduate of the U.S. Army War College, and, and believe me, our listeners, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes, but I think it's so important for people to understand that you can design a career and do amazing things and have tremendous impact. I love this piece by Hill Vets. It, it placed you on their 2016 list of the 100 most influential, influential veterans in America, and I'll just say I was jealous when I saw that piece. Um, but I, I mean, command and staff positions, a battalion commander and chief of staff, and, and recently retired as a brigadier general. I mean, this is impressive. Well, thank you for that. And of course, like all veterans, we're uncomfortable when you use terms like elite. We think of ourselves as just doing our job. Yeah. But one thing I think is important to note is that I started with the Women's Army Corps, enlisted. And I was enlisted for 12 years before I went to officer candidate school. Is that right? So I've known both sides, of yeah. both officer and enlisted. And, and I tell all my NCO friends it got too hard, so I went to officer candidate Is that school. Right? So do they call it a Mustang in the Army, They too? do call yeah. it a Mustang. Okay. And, okay. and I think it gives you a wide aperture yeah. of some of the challenges within the military. And also the fact that I started in the segregated Women's Army Corps and then transitioned through my career, as we integrated into the regular army, um, I've seen a lot when it oh comes to gosh. diversity and inclusion. But really good things. Um, yeah. Uh, certainly, I think the army did the right thing. Of course, they didn't do it out of goodwill. They did it because they needed the all volunteer force, and they right. knew women could provide much of the strength they needed. So, yeah. I'm proud of that history. I th that's incredible history, and I wasn't even aware of that. I so how did you decide to join the service? I mean, was that a family expectation? Was that like in your blood, like you saw Top Gun, and you said, <laughs> well, I could never be a pilot, so I'm going to be, you know. That, I mean, how did you... Back then, you're right. Women couldn't be pilots. Yeah. Um, I think many people join the military for self for, um, you know, They're not thinking bigger. Selfless service, service to country, they're thinking... 
I need the GI Bill. Yeah. Uh, I need a job. I need to get away from my parents. And, you know, I think they're all very self-serving um, reasons to join for many of us. I joined specifically for the GI Bill at the age of 17. Hmm. I came from a family of eight kids. You know, how do you send eight kids to college? Yeah. It was expected that we would go to college. And, of course, family of eight, you're always figuring out some kind of way to distinguish yourself. <laughs> so right. I up and joined the yeah. Army. Um, but I joined the Army band. So that was acceptable to my father, who had to give me permission, because as a World War II vet, he said, eh, not a good place for women. Um, Interesting. Think, yeah. Um, but he went on to become my greatest supporter, greatest fan. So I joined out of, you know, the need for the GI Bill, but I stayed when I realized it's about something so much bigger than mm. yourself. It's yeah. about service to others and service to this nation. And that hit me. After I uh, recruited in a very uh, poverty-stricken area, and I saw how the military could change lives, mm. and yeah. and that's when it, it hit me that okay, I'm going to go to Officer Candidate School and continue to contribute. Uh, so cool. That's you know, it's it's interesting when I talk to people ask me, am I for a draft, uh, or do I think that everybody should serve, and. Uh, and I don't know how you feel about this, and I'll ask you, but I, I, I personally feel like uh, youth today should give two years to something, you know, whether it's, you know, Peace Corps or teachers across borders or the military, because you touched on that you, you might join the military for selfish reasons, but you suddenly understand that there's something bigger. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I just think... Those that serve understand that there is something bigger at stake. Would you agree with that? Well, I think they then, they may not, as I said, join for that reason, but it becomes evident that this is all about something bigger, about um, protecting the nation, about serving others, about working with a team. So, yes, I agree with you that community service uh, is ideal and and should be required. And I think both men and women should register for the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to say, yes, they belong in every field, but, oh, you don't have to register. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe that'll disappear, but I don't think it ever will. I think we'll always keep a a draft registry. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited that they allow women to fly now because my youngest daughter has said she wants to fly jets. And be cool. and be a surgeon. So I'm like, great. I know exactly what branch of service we're sending you. So <laughs> this is it is wonderful. I'm so yeah. happy that within my career, thirty some years, that I saw a segregated women's army corps. But before I got out, I saw that all fields were open to women, and that was, um, you know, quite inspirational. Yeah, we had some great leaders that made that happen. How was your transition to the civilian sector? You've accomplished so much in the military, and then you transitioned to the civilian sector. Was it easy for you, or was there some difficulty? So keep in mind that part of my service was in the National Guard while I had a civilian job. So our National Guard and Reservists have a foot in both doors. Right. Um, And so I think they're better prepared when they do leave the service because they've worked in the civilian sector. And also I think as you become a senior officer... You work with the interagency, so it, it isn't it isn't a big transition. But I think we have to realize that that's not the case for so many of our service members that are getting out after perhaps their first tour. Mm-hmm. Now that's really tough. It's their first yeah. job was in the military, and then they get out and they've got to figure out what to do. So rather than lumping all veterans into one pot, which we tend to do, we have to realize there's many different 
um, types of veterans. Yeah. Those who serve two years, those who serve 12 that are getting out mid-career, those who retired and have their pension, changes everything. Um, so I think we all, in these kind of positions like you're in, have to remind everybody there is not one type of veteran. So was it, and that's good, I'm glad you brought that up, between National Guard and Reserve, uh, and, and you served in combat. And then so, I served active duty, you're correct. So yeah. I was then activated, um, and then I stayed on active duty. I returned from Iraq. Yeah. I was asked to go, and of course I volunteered. I don't believe when you're asked to do anything in the military, you say, no thanks. You do whatever you're asked. Yeah. And I came back and taught on the faculty at the War College. Okay. Because they needed women who had combat experience, and what an amazing experience. So you were going to say it you know, after a combat tour. Yeah, so then you you came back and you taught, is that correct, after your combat tour? I came back and I taught, and I can, yes, and I was on active duty at the War College, um, which was a great experience because you learn about national security and, you know, security strategy, so much bigger picture at that point, Yeah. Um, which is what we're teaching our senior leaders, and I remind everybody the War College is not to promote war, but to preserve peace. Mm, and that's that. exactly what they teach, is how to work with all elements of power, yeah. diplomatic, economic, political, with military power being the last resort. It really is about winning the hearts and minds, isn't it? It really is. Like, if we could, if we could divert and not go down the war path, right. we're, we're all so much better off. We need the right leaders. But yeah. you ask, how did I transition to, yeah. sec- to private sector? So when I retired... After the War College, I went on to become the Deputy Commandant at the War College uh, for Reserve Affairs. And after I retired, it it was sort of disorienting. You know, I had my pension. I I wasn't thinking about working. I was doing some nonprofit support. And I got a call from Comcast that said, hey, can you help us put together a strategy? And once again, I think when you're asked to do something, you you say, sure, whatever you need. That's right. Whatever you need. So it was a way, for me, it was a way to continue to serve. But... I was shocked at the civilian-military divide that's Mm. out there. And it's not of ill will or malintent. It's just when less than 1% serve, the other 99%, because we are an all-volunteer force, we don't tend to, you know, cross paths. There's a lot of misunderstandings about the military, what the military brings to the private sector. So I spent a lot of my uh, initial efforts on educating Mm. our hiring managers and just the culture on what's the military all about many people think it's a mystery yeah i think that's really neat we do something called overcoming veteran myths i've done that at different college campuses uh and it sounds like and i see it like you where you go into these organizations and you deal with the perceptions or the myths. And to overcome that and get companies focused on what an asset somebody who has served this country can be to their organization uh, and how they can leverage that to impact morale and profits and just just synergy between teams. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, thank you for doing that. I think it's cool that you're doing it with Comcast. I'm, I'm pretty excited. We, we created a internal portal called the Military Community Roadmap. And it's online resources to help the, the entire um, you know company understand 15 things every veteran wants you to know. What are the pay scales? What are the different ranks? So that you don't offer an entry level position to a you know an O4 or an E7. Yeah. Understanding ranks, simple things that you and I yeah. take for granted. Um, but it's not their fault. 
you know, yeah. where, where do we ever mix? Um, but and everyone is so receptive to learning. Um, we created a uh, wall of recognition where our military employees can send in pictures of what they did in the military, what they're currently doing at Comcast and NBC to help people understand, you know, these people did this and, and now they're with us and, and just to uh, make it much more common. Uh, see, that's cool. So what? Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you get your HR folks to understand this because one of the things that we hear with transitioning service members is, I put my resume out there, I, I I get lucky enough to get an interview, and then I'm sitting down with somebody that's 20-something, and I say, listen, I'm a, a retired Navy captain, and they go, I'm sorry, you don't have the right skill set. And so what do you do in your position to help your teams understand that? And first thing is, there's to treat an army captain and a navy captain. <laughs> totally, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why we created the online portal. Okay. And then we visited all three divisions and 15 regions and personally went out with the team and brought the HR managers and leaders in, as well as supervisors, and went through those kinds of things and said, and here's the tool to help you. And everybody on our team is military, either mm, currently right? serving in the reserve yeah. or National Guard or retired. Um, or has served, and that's you know, a testament we, right there. We went yeah. out. I mean, we traveled that the first year, and I think that's what you have to do. You have to be face to face and and help people understand, and then they can look at us and see, okay, they're pretty normal. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's immersion, almost it's immersion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, now gosh, we're doing the same thing so cool. with NBC to help them understand the military community. Every culture is different. Yeah. Um, but I report to the president and CEO of Comcast Cable. So the company did the right thing by putting this office in the right place by and showing their support yeah. by doing that. And I think that's made a big difference. But everyone is receptive. We have advocates all over the place. I'll give you an example. We just sponsored the Army 10-Miler. Oh, you did? Army so I did last year. Oh, wow. I, I did it last year in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it was hot as heck, and they closed it early. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was. And I did not train. <laughs> and I got to mile nine, and my Marine buddy came up behind me and had to walk me through that last mile. I thought, man, for sure I'm going to get there. And he's like, come on, you can do it. And i got to tell you, that last mile for me was hard. And it went around forever. Oh. They've rerouted it. You thought you'd never get there. I know. I've, so we yeah. had 47 Comcast runners, most of them civilians. I wanted them to see that esprit de yeah. corps and that the money goes to morale support activities. And why is it that we all have this cohesiveness? Um so it was just a great event. And yeah, we just did yeah. it on Sunday. But yeah. those kind of things, I think, make a difference as well as boss lifts or visits to the installations, yeah. meeting commanders. We brought a three-star and a two-star in to meet with our senior executives and talk about senior leadership in the military mm. and how is that very, very similar to senior leadership in the civilian sector. So at all levels, you try to expose folks. And we do fun stuff, you yeah. know. We, yeah. um, you know, we we take them out on ships and take them up on you know the chopper rides and yeah. do all kinds of things. That and I don't let the veterans go. They always want to go. They volunteer. Oh my gosh, no, I'd be first in line know, for that thing. Exactly I would be like first in line. Yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. first in line. So, are there some common mistakes that you see with transitioning service members when they get out? Are, are there things that you have been able to say, "Gosh, you know what? This is pretty common that I'm seeing." 
And if you could correct it, what, what would you say? So that, that's, a, that's a very insightful question. And it goes back to there's not all one type of veteran. Right. But there are some common things that tend to cross. Um, the first, first is you're not entitled. Yeah. Yeah, right. entitlement. Yeah, that's right. And, but that's not real common, but it is there, and it ruins it for everybody when yeah. people think you owe me a job. I do think you're not entitled, but you are deserving of consideration. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference. Yeah. Um, the other challenge for transitioning vets is do your research. Show that you care. Like I often get folks sending me a resume, and they'll say, hey, let me know if there's something where my skills would match your company. So they want you to do the work. And I'm going, what right. the heck? <laughs> Why don't you go to the site, see yeah. what jobs are out there, and tell me what you think, and I'll get you connected to yeah. the right folks. But just being aware of that, and yeah. then also not using the resources that are there. You've got all these great veteran service organizations that are there yeah. to help. You've got Hiring Our Heroes. You've got the VA, well, Department of Labor. Yeah. Um, so... What we call in the military situational awareness, yeah, lack of situational yeah. awareness. Interesting. You know, yeah. not really picturing. And there's ways you can get that. But I also believe we must meet in the middle where the hiring managers and the civilians and the military, it's not all on that veteran Yeah. to put it into civilian speak, which is what a lot of those resume programs tell them. Because you're still going to sit there and talk. Yeah. So if the other person doesn't understand what you're saying... It's not going to be a you know a happy meeting. So I think you have to work both ends of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I had a meeting years ago with TSA, um, and they said you know one of the issues we have during the interview process is when we asked uh, our veteran candidates how they would deal with conflict, we get a common answer, which is I would tell them to stop. And. <laughs> And it, I found it pretty interesting. I'm like, well, that's interesting. It depends on where that person is on this oh. on the scale, right? Right. Uh, but so it, it gave me an insight into who they were bringing in. Number right, one. Right. Um, but they said, but they've got to have. Isn't there? Don't you guys deal with conflict in some other ways? And I'm like, oh my gosh. We yeah. take classes. Yeah. We, did, we train totally. every year, and you got to sign that form oh. that you took. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it also could be the way. Now that's the other thing is is educating your hiring managers on how to ask those kind of leading questions and pulling out. So to just say, how do you deal with conflict? You need some context. Yeah, very true. If somebody's threatening your office, that's a whole different thing than if somebody just says, I don't want to be in this meeting. Yeah. So I think helping hiring managers understand not just to follow the interview script, Yeah. but to go off script and to really pull out information. Let's talk about... Comcast, NBC Universal. What are you, what cool stuff are you guys doing? What I saw that you're you're looking at hire. I mean, all facets, hiring and building talent of all levels. What are you doing? I think it's so much more than hiring. I, I yeah. have to say beyond the numbers. So when you think about hiring, you can't just hire. You have to educate. So that whole effort we've made to educate our our HR personnel and all supervisors, just the entire culture, and they're so receptive. Um, how to serve the military community, like how to support VSOs, understanding who's who in the Wild West, how to work with DAV, the major VSOs, yeah. how do they work with the private sector, which they don't always know yeah. how to do that. So yeah. um, situational awareness, you Again, have to understand yeah. the big picture. So we're doing some really cool things. So I mentioned our internal effort. Our external effort is um, I feel a responsibility to be a thought leader in this space. You know, I'm lucky enough to have a team of eight people. 
Um, there's plenty of companies. Veterans are hired. What, 80% of veterans are hired by small to medium businesses? Yeah. Not the big Comcast, NBC, Universals. Yeah. So how do we help those smaller businesses understand how to build a, a military um, recruiting program or how to support their military employees? So we've created something called the Comcast Employer School. And you might want to jot this down because it might, mm-hmm. might work with some of your efforts. It's through Psych Armor. I'm familiar with Psych Armor. Yes. Yeah. So we yeah. we host the employer school because I said, hey, Psych Armor, Marjorie Marson, there's some things you're missing here. we got to help educate the employers. So we will go around to the U.S. chambers, talk about these, these courses that are available. As you know, Psych Armor is short online targeted content to help the civilian community work with the military yeah. community. Yeah. So everything from suicide prevention to how to be caregivers. Uh, you know, understanding military caregivers. Um, and so the employer school, now you'd be interested, they just started um, the transition school. So to Is help right? veterans understand some of the challenges of transition. So it's a great partnership. And that, we don't get paid, we're, we're paying everything. It's yeah. online, no cost for any employer. And then we often give um, talks about how to access that. Matter of fact, we have one coming up, um, community events throughout the country to help small businesses working with the chambers. So that's really cool. And I'm very excited that we just launched Internet Essentials for low-income veterans. So Internet Essentials is low-cost internet, $9.95 a month, and a $100 um, subsidized computer. Mm. Um, to help veterans access the internet because you can't get to your VA benefits, you can't make appointments, you can't apply for jobs. So we understand the digital divide impacts veterans also. So outside of our own company, we're trying to make a difference. So how do you reach the rural areas with that effort? Have you been able to crack that night yet? This just started. We're here to make some announcements about it. But work, I think that's where you have to be local and you have to be with the BSOs. Yeah. The American Legions. Yeah. You know, the the BSOs that are out there on the ground. Yeah. And vets. Yeah. Because they have the they have the posts in that area. Now, there is a caveat. It has to be in our footprint. Yeah, good point. So if there right. is, and that's a challenge with the VA, we're on their task force because they're kind of trying to crack that nut about access to rural areas. Yeah, you know who's going to lay that cable so that folks out there can can access the internet. Yeah. I think there's some um, possibilities with uh, mobile, so through la- through mobile yeah. devices being able to access. I know the VA has a pilot program where they're giving folks tablets. Yeah. So through. Well, sure, through, through LTE, mobile, yeah, LTE and 5G and, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think through hotspots yeah, that hot are spots. conveniently located. Yeah. Can, so it can make a big difference. So our internet essentials. And then we've also just to recognize and, you know, pay tribute to the military. We've, we've created a military offer for our common services, for our services. So hmm. if you, if you identify as a veteran, um, there's a program where we'll, uh, offer you a uh, different level of service. Is that I think right? that's important. That's, yeah. that's neat. We just started that too. And I think it's just a matter of saying, hey, we respect what you've done. Here's something we can give you. Yeah, that's that's so cool. What what, what are some things that people should and shouldn't do? And we, we touched on this a little bit, but should and shouldn't do when applying for a job. I mean, you gave one clear, which is like, don't send your resume and say, hey, if you need me for anything, call you know, me. call me. Uh, but are there some other things that people just flat out shouldn't do? And then let's switch that over to what should they do? What sets them apart from other candidates? 
own, own your achievements, own your warrior ethos. So women tend to ignore that and they don't take credit for what they've done in the military. Uh, but I even think there's plenty of men who have served that don't want to say what they've done and how hard they've worked and what they've done on teams. You know, they'll just be, very, this was my MOS and this is what I did. But yeah. you've got to pull out those skills. you got to tell the and story. And be proud of them. Tell the story yeah. and don't be entitled. Yeah. But be proud of what you've done. I mean, in the military, you are given um, some significant leadership responsibilities mm-hmm. very early in your career. You might be 22 years old and have 300 people reporting to you yeah. um, for life, for, for life, food, training, every single aspect. So own that and explain. But when you say, hey, I was a platoon leader, don't assume that person across the desk gets that that's yeah. how many people. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So own the hard work you've done. Um, be proud of what you've done, but then also be humble about understanding the, the civilian community and fitting in with the corporate culture. Yeah, that's a good Show point. Show that you can bend. And, and See, in the military, that's what we have to do. We go over to combat zones, and we have to fit in with the culture and win the hearts and minds, as you mentioned. Yeah. So uh, we do it. It's the same thing working with the corporate or, you know, the private sector. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that uh, I, I still have friends to this day that are like, well, you know, the, you guys in the military don't really understand diversity. And I start laughing. I'm like, oh, my God, the way in that's, diversity. That, that's all we knew. I was like, I got into the, you know, I got on board ship and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is such a diverse crew. I mean, it was so amazing. And what was interesting about the military, they didn't try to win the hearts and minds when it came to diversity. They mandated That's right. acceptance. And yeah. I don't care what you personally feel, but you better get on board. And this is how you're going to treat everybody. And yeah. I think there's some value in that. We're in the private sector. We just try to get everybody to believe in it. Yeah. Um, which works to a degree, but... Yeah, well, the military was one team, one fight. Like one you guys, could, you know, you guys could disagree, whatever. But you know what? When we're on mission and purpose, you better be together. And I think we were. Which yeah. I'm really proud of the military's diversity. We truly, the military has led the way in diversity, and they've got some great programs. Yeah, oh, this is so neat. So, so good, fight that. Anytime they say that, they they also say we can't do anything but take orders. Oh gosh! Whereas we have yeah, to right. be so innovative yeah. out there, trying to do a lot with less resources. I, I tell the story of silly string. Have you heard that in the combat yeah. zones? Huh. So you know you might go into a building that's that's been booby trapped. Okay. With trip wires. Yeah. So they came up with this idea that if you sprayed silly string, you could see the trip wires, but they it wouldn't trip them because it was light enough. Is that right? Yeah. Like, no kidding. How innovative is that? So I, I want to know the guy that first tried it. You know too. what I'm saying? Like, okay, so, all right, you're the guy. Well, and, I might have yeah. tried it on just a string. That <laughs> first. But I think we're taught to build field expedients and to be very innovative. Yeah. Out of necessity. But a lot of folks in the private sector think we can't yeah. think innovatively. Oh. Bunker Labs proves that that's not true. Yeah. That's great. So we're coming down on our time, and I want, I want to wrap this up. I mean, this has been awesome, but what, what one bit of advice do you have for those who are getting ready to transition? Is there one bit of advice that you would give somebody that is like, okay, I'm going to get out. Boy, I'm super interested in Comcast, or I'm just super interested in getting a job. What, what's your one bit of advice for them? Well, at my age, you no longer have one bit of anything. Right, sure. No, I know, but can you boil the ocean, essentially? I can boil it down to 
don't jump at the first job. You're yeah. not looking for a job. You're looking for a career and a purpose. Yeah. So take your time and research. Now, granted, you got to support your family. Yeah. But even if you do grab a job, understand a bigger picture. And if you can take your time, understand yourself. Mm. Think about your GI Bill. Yeah. This is a lot of money you're sitting on with that GI Bill. If now's the time to go back to school, do it. Um, also, do your research. And I hate that term, network. Yeah. But you have to talk. I just think of it as talking to people and helping people. Yeah. Talk to people. What can I do to help you? You and I just did it. I yeah. said, oh, you might you might want to hear about Benjamin. You yeah, know? that's right. So you have a lot to give other people. So networking is a give and take. Yeah. And do the giving before the taking. Amen to that. And yeah. they have lots they can bring. So yeah. I, I think that's it. Think about your GIA bill. Think about... Uh, who's out there and how you can help them work with these nonprofits? Team Red, White, and Blue, Team Rubicon, yeah. these young 9-11 veteran organizations, yeah. they're a great way to get integrated into the civilian community. Serve your community. Yeah. And then you're building a network of like-minded it's people. so true. It's so true. And, yeah. and that'll just build your connections. Yeah, I think sometimes if we remember to take our eyes off ourselves and put yes. them on others, yes. that it's amazing to see what doors open. Right. right. Carol, it has been such a pleasure being with you this afternoon. I, I'm, I, I'm just thrilled, and thank you for sharing your story and this information. I appreciate it. Great. Can I add one more thing? Yes, you can. Yep. So when I returned from Iraq, I was pretty messed up after being in you know several incidents. Yeah. Um, and I took some time and trained for the Philadelphia Marathon. Did and you? Really? I can't tell you what wellness, physical fitness... Uh, working with your family, my daughter trained along with me, makes all the difference in reintegrating into your family and into the civilian sector. So wellness and fitness and nutrition has a role in your reintegration. Uh, that's so true. You're, and you talked about a support network, which I think is is super important to that. You're talking about mind, body, and spirit. Yes. That's exactly what you're talking Thank about. Thank you. That is brilliant. Carol, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for your questions and for what you're doing to help the military community. Absolutely. It it's matters. a pleasure. Thank you.